0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, Volume 9, Issue 412. And today we're going to be talking about Dying Light. And joining me, Leon Cox, in Issue 412, are Brian Edwards. Hello, hello. Jacob Geller. One day I'm going to do this and end
1: up landing on a bag of rusty knives. I just know it. <laughs> and <laughs> Joshua
0: Garrity. You're a loose end I couldn't leave untied. <laughs> That's true. That's <laughs> true. Uh, Well, apart from those quotes from the game, I'm going to issue a spoiler warning right now in case you want to go back and play this game and not know what happens. We'll talk a little bit about the story. And also for this one in particular, we became aware that we'd arranged a couple of shows for this period, not knowing what was coming uh, back in November, December, when I uh, came up with the list for this year's podcasts that uh, might some people might find uncomfortable to listen to at the moment. Now, obviously, this is a zombie game, but it is about a pandemic and it is about uh, people struggling to survive after a breakout of a disease. Um, obviously, the circumstances are different to, compared to uh, what we're, the thing we're going through in real life. As we record this, it is uh, late March, early April um, 2020. And we have this COVID nineteen outbreak. In case you weren't aware, Uh, hopefully, maybe for some of you, by the time you listen to this in the future, because I know you know we have a we have an archive of podcasts, and people might come back to this, and hopefully, we'll look back at that as uh, something that happened in the past. But um, it sort of made me wonder on a wider level about how pandemic, epidemic fiction is going to be in the future so obviously it's interesting at the time of recording that the um contagion the soderbergh movie is the number one pick on netflix so people some people are actually craving stuff to sort of i don't know uh, is it a catharsis or something i found i don't know about the panel i found with this game that my i started playing this as the situation started to become more grave and serious in real life And it did sort of it played in a little bit, but because it is essentially a rather, you know, it's it's a fantastical game about a zombie virus, which is not what we're facing in real life. Um, Other than a few certain elements to it, I didn't find it was massively triggering. If I can use that phrase, how how did you folks feel about that?
2: I had played it uh, pretty well before um, the kind of the current pandemic situation had gotten kind of to where we are now. So i didn't really have to look at it through that guys but but looking back on it now it kind of feels like one of those interesting case studies in how uh fiction views situations like these and obviously like as you already said this is a zombie game but it, it spawned by a pandemic and then how how reality the world kind of reacts to these things so kind of the comparing and contrasting of the two has been at best interesting at worst you know a little stressful um but, uh, but yeah, just kind of comparing and contrasting the two experiences, I, I found that the game itself is separated enough from how the actual an actual situation of like this occurs in the real world that I couldn't really draw a lot of actual connection between the two, which was nice. It's nice to have your fiction continue to be fiction and, um, and, and the other way around. So
0: Yes, if, if you were thinking of playing this now, there is some uh, I- imagery that might, you might find yeah. troublesome. Yes uh so yeah what is dying light well we talked a bit about it already but in terms of a video game it's a first person single or multiplayer survival horror type scenario it's an action adventure with rpg elements and it's a spiritual successor very legitimately to dead island from the same developer the polish company techland also known for the call of waris series It was originally going to be a Dead Island sequel. Uh, There hadn't been an actual sequel. There was Dead Island Riptide, which was a kind of uh, a fairly quick and dirty, I think, uh, a B-team job, possibly, Uh, which was uh, a kind of follow-up rather than a a sequel. Um, According to IMDb, Techland made it a completely new game, Dying Light, because it would contain brand new features such as the massive open world, new zombies, the real-time day-night cycle, better graphics, new game mechanics, and much more. Adrian Chisvesky, the director, apologies for my pronunciation, said, We always wanted to make a survival game, but in the end, Dead Island was hack and slash, killing lots of zombies, and all about making killing fun. With Dying Light, we wanted to create a survival experience. Zombies are a serious threat. We couldn't ever achieve it in Dead Island because we didn't establish it from the beginning, but it was there at the start of development on Dying Light. I only played a bit of, Dead Island Riptide but and yes there was certainly zombie slashing as there is in Dying Light but it was also it had the crafting and the grinding out of stuff from the rubble and the kind of uh, the 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 sneaking about in certain areas you wanted um
1: yeah i find this quote you know, kind of weird
0: um because it feels like
1: he uh, Maybe maybe what they intended to make with Dead Island was was a fun killing game. But for, you know, a kind of combination (laughs) of reasons, Dead Island itself felt fairly, fairly bleak and fairly serious in its depiction Mm. of, you know, it was in this kind of like tropical paradise. And so maybe maybe the idea was like, oh, well, it's in, you know, it's in a resort town. So that's fun. But like. The, the actual killing of zombies in Dead Island, at least for the first, I don't know, 20 hours of the game, <laughs> is fairly harrowing, and and you're yeah. doing similar things in that you don't, it's not like you have great weapons to take them apart, you know, you're kind of hitting them with whatever you have available, Um, and so it's, it's weird that he seems to view Dead Island as like a completely separate thing, whereas mm. I feel like Dying Light actually progressed fairly naturally from the already, you know, pretty morbid themes of Dead Island. I mean, if you think about that first trailer, I know the game didn't totally make good on it, but, like, there was that kind of stuff in Dead Mm -hmm. Island. Um, Yeah, and so it's just, it's weird for me to hear him think about this so differently when I think about them as fairly thematically close.
2: Yeah, I played yeah. I played Dead Island completely co-op with a friend of mine and I remember uh getting to kind of what I guess is the second main area in Dead Island and just how the the scale of the zombies and kind of how the 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 threat level just kind of rises and kind of and, and like reaches this fever pitch where every encounter feels like significant. And yeah, so seeing this quote just like Jacob said like it to me that doesn't it do, that doesn't match up with my personal experience no. with that island. Maybe I was playing it in a way that wasn't allowed me to Hack and slash, killing lots of zombies, about making killing fun. Because I, I definitely found it was more about survival than about that. Mm. So, so that was my personal experience, along with my friend Darren. But, um, but yeah, it is interesting to hear him say that. And, and like Jacob said, to take it even step further, maybe they were just trying to separate the two games completely. You know, yeah. so that the, like you know, so from maybe like a marketing or an ideological standpoint, they could be viewed as different products. But mm. yeah, they're, they're, yeah, to me, like like Jacob said, it felt like a logical progression.
0: Yeah, maybe. It's unfair, obviously, we can only take quotes. And I've, I've found that one and taken it out of context and maybe something's been lost in translation. But it was interesting uh, nonetheless. Certainly, I would say that the, the mood of this game, there are moments of levity and some missions are sillier than others. Certainly some interactions and, and bits of dialogue that are, that are dafter. But the overall tone is pretty, is pretty moody, I would say, in this one. The reason it's not a sequel, according to the IMDb, Due to creative and deadline disputes with publisher Deep Silver over Dead Island's release and development, Techland broke away from their Dead Island partners to create and publish Dying Light themselves. Apart from, I think, Warner Brothers publishes it on console. Features present in this game were intended for the original Dead Island. However, time management was so strict that the game had been pushed out of the door in a mediocre state compared to the intended idea no uh, no citation for that but um and it, it, to say the original was in a mediocre state well i think it was notorious for being a bit janky and a bit rough around the edges but it did do critically and commercially rather well i think
1: yeah i i think it i think dead island actually sold way better than most people would expect <laughs> like that mm. it was kind of a sleeper hit
0: yeah so yes techland polish as we say and now uh, a publisher as well the engine for this game is the chrome engine it was developed across versions 5 and 6 of that engine originally the game was coming it, it started development that long ago it was going to come to ps3 and xbox 360 but that was canceled uh, due to the graphics demands being too high for those last gen consoles since 200000 objects would be displayed in the game and it was wouldn't stay true to the core vision unlike what uh, what they could achieve on the then next gen now current gen consoles they also said that the game needed a quotes next gen feel <laughs> the game was released then on pc and mac and ps4 and xbox one in january 2015 so just over five years ago an enhanced edition arrived a little down the way once various uh, updates and dlcs and things but i don't think it's uh it's not like um it's not a game that is enhanced on say xbox one x or ps4 pro it's uh it's really uh, and it's not even a kind of director's cut as such or a uh a remaster or re it's it's pretty much just the finished game with more content uh, as i understand it but that was a big enough leap in terms of its sort of release quality to elevate the reviews from the original version, which scored uh, at 75% on average across all formats and and all organs, whereas the enhanced edition fared a lot better, more than 10% higher at 87%. So it probably wasn't reviewed by as many outlets, so that might play into that higher mark to an extent. But I think there was a sense that this game was one of those that was... uh, yeah just generally in a better it was a better package once they'd uh, they'd added in the extra bits and bobs and certainly I bought the what what I knew as the enhanced edition when that became available digitally rather than the the original release user reviews uh, sort of sit somewhere between the two on IMDb it's got an 8.2 out of 10 which is pretty sound and the game sold a very healthy and respectable 5 million copies and that was as of August 2015 so here we are The best part of five years later, who knows what the number is now? We can only guess, but with the many times it's been reduced on across all digital storefronts, it must be. I would half as much again, maybe. Yeah, I would think so. Almost
3: certainly, yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm. Right, Uh, but our individual personal histories with dying lights, and also probably worth just checking in, mentioning if we had any experience or opinions of its spiritual predecessor, Josh. I'm not saying you're its spiritual predecessor. <laughs> um
3: uh I I have no experience with its uh, spiritual predecessor. Um I I was always aware of Dead Island. Um there was that trailer that um yes. was a little bit uh emotionally manipulative slash misleading. Um, that got um, a lot of attention uh, at the time, but I just I, I skipped the series for whatever reason. Um, uh, I can't really justify it. Uh, I like zombies and I like survival horror, but it just I never got round to it. Um, Dying, Dying Light came out, um, and I, I remember it being a game that kind of got more positive reception as it went along, as more and pe- more people um, got their hands on it. And it was just a case of sticking it on a wish list, waiting it, waiting for it to be, I think it was like 50% off or, or maybe lower than that. Buying it, putting it in my Steam library, and then just not touching it for years and years Spend and years, as, as is always the case. Um, and it took uh, this issue being scheduled to finally get me to play it. Um, so I played it on PC. Uh, I played a good chunk of it on the standard difficulty before lowering it to story mode.
0: Ah, yes. Interesting. Okay. Jacob, how about you? How far do you go back?
1: Yeah, so I mentioned I was a big fan of Dead Island. I even played through and enjoyed Dead Island Riptide, which is (laughs) not a game that almost anyone speaks favorably of. Um, But despite that, I didn't really uh think much of Dying Light when it first released I just like you know it got it got aggregate 75 it didn't seem like outlets were super thrilled about it um but then there's this kind of like groundswell of support or just every every so often on Reddit you know I'd see someone say like you know Dying Light is is really good and it seemed to happen more and more and so I think I picked it up on one of the first big price cuts um and I played through the whole thing and I played through the DLC Uh, That was a couple of years ago. And then I think twice since then, once this January and once a little before, I have just gone through and played the whole thing again. Always on PC um, and and always, yeah, kind of surprised at how I thought I was just going to dip in for a little bit and end up basically completing
0: the story got its hooks back in you yeah right uh difficulty settings i think there are four
1: yes i let's see i I think i started on normal the first time i have wanted to start on hard but it's it's really hard um so i think Mm. this time i kicked it up about halfway through the story once i kind of got um, enough crafting materials and whatever to be competent
0: Hmm, interesting
2: and brian um about you Kind of like Jacob. I played Dying Light, or excuse me, Dead Island. Um, originally, uh, didn't uh, played through just a bit of Riptide, not a ton of it. Um, well, so when Dying Light came out, um, I was actually more interested in what co-op experience it it offered because I played through all of Dying Light, or excuse me, did it again, Dead Dead Island, uh, mm-hmm. co-op the first time through. And from the beginning, it didn't seem like it was going to have that exact same experience, so it kinda, I kind of I kind of held off on getting it, and, and also seeing the kind of the low low ish I shouldn't say low seventy five isn't a low review score it shouldn't be, but you know kind of it wasn't setting any, the world on fire necessarily, so I kind of put it off to the side. Um, but then, much like Jacob, I heard heard more and more stories about it getting better. I had a friend recommend it once the following came out, and I think I picked up the in you know, the complete edition or the you know the enhanced edition, whatever they called it. Uh, with the following attached to it um on uh pretty cheap uh sometime last summer, so I ended up playing um a a fair bit of it in the fall and then I finished it up uh kind of in early January this year uh yeah, so it, it was one of those things it i didn 't stop for any particular reason other than I think just holidays and life in general but um yeah, I ended up finishing it about uh about January, kind of plowing through the end of that story, so that 's kind of my history with it
0: yeah, I played the whole thing on normal, my history with Dead Island is minimal. I didn't play the original. I added it to my Steam library from a bundle at some point. But actually, all I've played was a bit of Riptide on the Xbox 360, probably about five to ten hours back in 2013. So not a lot to go on. When this came out originally, I think I was just I wasn't paying a huge amount of attention because, yes, the 75 percent thing, like, as you say, not a bad score at all, but not enough to sort of pull you into that you've got to play this now kind of uh, mindset. And I probably was also thinking, as I tend to do, that I'd rather play the, the spiritual predecessor before I play this. However, at some point, that enhanced edition arrived and started getting better notices. And I think the word of mouth picked up as well. And yeah, I saw it at some point on an Xbox digital sale and just added it to my library. Didn't get around to playing it, though, until uh, the run up to this show. But then I did end up playing... We we often consult the the very handy resource of how long to beat when we're thinking about how much time we need to prepare for these shows. And I think the story on that, the sort of basic completion time, was only around 15, 16 hours. But I ended up playing 35 hours of the main story campaign and completing 75% of the extra stuff as well and also... 10 hours of the the following which is the DLC which is a substantial add-on as well and and completing that too. So yeah that was just all in the run-up to this show and all on normal difficulty. The Baboon Baron from the forum says I've mixed feelings about Dying Light in the same way as I've mixed feelings about its spiritual bedfellows Mirrors Edge and Dead Island. Parts of it are fascinating, parts of it are frustrating. I'm thrilled someone gave it a go, but the end result leaves me wanting, and ultimately I think it might be consigned to the bargain bin with the other also-ran. That's not to say it's not worth your time, though. The setting I loved. By setting the game somewhere unique and unexplored, the game was all the better for it. The mashup of cultures and infrastructure worked well with the gameplay, but also tied into the overarching story well. The sense of otherness was present throughout, similar to the best of Far Cry. The free running was a delight. Just like Mirror's Edge, you become an FPS ninja with a joy in movement and elevation that is sadly rare. It controlled well and it made you feel like you'd let yourself down when you unceremoniously get speared by a chain link fence into the midsection. Ouch. But it was the combat that brought me down to earth. Over-reliance on melee with spongy enemies had me yawning and avoiding more than actually experimenting. It broke the speed of the game to be faffing about with which weapon would work And the speed and movement were its unique selling point. Too many times I got surrounded and wailed upon by the undead or cut to ribbons by human enemies with machine guns. It got old and it got cheap quick. By the end of Dying Light, I really didn't care what happened next. But it was an interesting piece of software if you fancy a run and leap and gun. But don't ask me to play it again. Middling there. So that setting and its otherness, well, that may depend where you're from. The game is set in Haran which is uh, right on the uh, south of Turkey, on just north of Syria, so where the, the east of Europe meets uh, the Middle East. And I'm not sure... Uh, the, the sort of scenario for the game has it that it was... Was it about to hold an Olympic-style event or, or you know, a global athletics meet? And uh, the outbreak of the virus is possibly tangentially related to that? We take the role of kyle crane a us gre agent uh who gets parachuted in literally and and, um, <laughs> and is is effectively sent to sort things out uh even though everything's already kind of kicked off but of course there are factions there are people who are using the situation to their own ends notably Kadir rise Suleiman and uh and because this sort of makes sense the fact that the way that the the city is overrun with zombies it makes sense that people who are very nifty and agile and good at free running parkour uh are at a premium get some knee pads on and and a cool hat and uh (laughs) and off off you go um so yeah uh, for me the the scenario is just a means to an end really and the the plot happens there's also a lot of side quests some of which is more (laughs) more more serious than others but actually the overall my main my main thing with a game like this is the feel of being in a place and i would say actually with the the lighting and the and the geography the the architecture and all that the the actual feel the immersion and the and the atmosphere of the game is pretty palpable but the for me the writing and the story never really grabbed me
1: yeah, characters and dialogue notwithstanding, I think the the scenario just being like Haran of of this game is really fantastic because you know this is a game about free running and so you have to kind of pick pick situations that have enough verticality that you can you can jump up and climb up on things and you have different levels, but not too much to that, you know, it's like you know, if you're on the street in New York, you can't quite climb to the top of any of the buildings easily. And so they, Harana's is like the perfect height, which is a, a weird thing to say, but like, you know, the buildings are, are just about as tall as you'd want them to be. And, and also the way the scenario varies where you start out in the slums where it's, you know, a little more forgiving and then you move to kind of the old city where, where the, the differences in architecture are much more severe. I think it works really well with the gameplay while also being just interesting and distinctive. And I didn't play this game and think, oh, I guess I've you know been in this situation before, which I feel like I do with almost all open world <laughs> games at this point, because it just feels like there's a limited number of things they attempt. So I really liked uh, the, the city and the kind of places in the city that they chose to place this game.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think Haran itself is is a really um well <laughs> realized uh a space. The uh, we kind of talked about it before when we were talking at the top of the show about some of the the concerns related to the pandemic, but but this city really feels and as you're running through it like like a lived-in city that had gone through something. And and obviously like any one of these games it has recycled environments, uh, you know, insides of rooms kind of look similar from time to time and and you might have the same set of containers and the same areas of certain parts, but it just does same feel, beams. yeah, exactly. It it feels like, uh, like an actually sculpted city, like the city, like you know, like grew out around you know the, these certain aspects. Um, like I, I particularly remember there's there was there's a lot of um, running either above or under overpasses. And like yes. just kind of the way that those like connect with one another, and the and mm. the little architectural stuff that ha- that kind of exists underneath them, these little construction zones, these little yeah. uh, you know like like electrical boxes, it just felt it just felt legitimate. It felt like feels genuine. authentic, exactly. Even if
0: it might not be, if you if you were a, a, an environmental engineer or constructor right, and you might look at it and go. But for those of us who don't have that expert eye, it certainly it felt like a. A place that could exist yeah uh, i've not been to haran and i haven't done a one-to-one comparison uh, with google earth or anything like that but um i don't know how sort of close they've attempted or whether it's a sort of gta 5 style or uh, sort of potted condensed version or whether it's just completely made up but right. yeah i i agree it, it feels it's got different sort of municipal functions which Mm -hmm. seem to be in logical places
2: the um the thing i think about a lot when when i was talking about this game is that um i've lived near the city of buffalo new york and there's no good place to park next to the Mm -hmm. arena where events happen so if you go see a sporting event or if you go see a um you know concert or something like that back when we were we could do those things um that You would go there and you'd have to walk under these three or four overpasses every single time. And underneath each one of them, there was always chain link fences that were holding back like concrete blocks and, you know, mm. some forklifts and some this and that. And every time I would run under these places in dying light, I would just it felt like I was there. You know, obviously, Haran's not Buffalo, New York, but just feeling like I was in an actual working, living
0: um, uh, urban environment was really cool. Yeah. And how did you feel about being Kyle Crane? this sort of fairly, I would say generic. (laughs) (laughs) uh, So Roger Craig Smith is the actor. He has a pretty extensive CV of uh, games and animations, hundreds of them, in fact, uh, going back a long way. Um, And I mean, he's pretty uh, generic, I would say.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I I don't think it's, I don't think it's the uh, vocal performances fault. I think the script is just, incredibly uh vapid and um uh, vacuous i just it there's no there's no real character there other than him being like a generic kind of american military type yeah um and and this kind of leads into probably my biggest problem with the game overall is that mm. the characters are all so um there's no flesh to them there's they're just skeletons of people um and none of the the character beats the important moments in the story that rely on you having investment in these people there's none of the legwork to make that stuff um land has been done previously so there are several points where uh, several there's a couple of points where key characters in the plot uh, meet their end and the way it's framed and the way that it's labored over just the amount of time just invested in just staying in that moment of that character's death. Mm. They want you to care. They want you to be, invested and have some kind of emotional reaction to these characters passing and i could not care less because mm. there's no relationship there there's there's no bond between um the lead character and Rahim when Rahim passes and it's just not not earned at all and then there's the villain as well um, where, uh, like the the game starts acting like the the, the two characters have some kind of <laughs> epic, like, uh, Titanic, like you know, Shakespearean relationship with each other.
0: Two sides and of the same coin, not so yeah, that kind of thing. You and I, <laughs> and just yeah. like
3: his the the line of we're we're uh, we're having a war of differing philosophies. It's like, what are you talking <laughs> about? Like what does kyle crane represent like if if you're gonna take that angle <laughs> what does kyle crane represent other than somebody who was fooled by his agency into following a path and then suddenly uh grows a spine and uh cares about the people you know the other people in this yeah. situation there's oh, no these people are like there. human
0: beings maybe <laughs> i shouldn't be awful to them <laughs> yeah, these people Just are like- also people
3: <laughs> his, his philosophy is the bare minimum requirement to be
0: a good person. Like that's not a particularly complex political philosophy. Um, it, to be fair, he puts himself in danger for 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 people he barely knows. So I uh,
3: yeah yes, but like yes, granted yes that that does make him above and beyond the average person. Absolutely. But the idea that this is some kind of, like, unstoppable force meets an immovable object between these (laughs) two characters is frankly laughable. Yeah,
1: I think it points to a a fundamental flaw in just how the story is delivered in these kind of games. Or maybe, maybe the flaw is that them then expecting us to care about it. Because, you know, by and large, your vast majority of character interactions are going to be getting a quest from someone standing still in a safe house. And guess what? That's not the fun part of this game. And so I would always just kind of skip through the dialogue or, or, you know, sometimes read the subtitles, but immediately kind of eject it from my brain because what I wanted to be doing was jumping over roofs and kicking zombies in the head and stuff. And so, like, when you make the story the part of the game that you do when you're not having fun Even if the text was well written in those like quests that they give you, I was never going to read it because that is absolutely not why I'm playing this game. And maybe there's a way I think I think there definitely is a way to incorporate story beats into the fun parts of the game. And I think some parts of the story missions do that, but they rely so heavily on these very static character interactions to theoretically build a bond between you and the other people. And as everyone else has said already, it just doesn't work. Like you mm. just don't feel anything when a human is a bulletin board and you go and you press <laughs> X on them to get the next fetch quest. Mm. And then you bring it back to them and they give you, you know, 10 rolls of duct tape or something.
2: It's just, to me, it's so frustrating and, and borderline insulting that they have this, this beautifully crafted area uh in th- this middle eastern nation and 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 a lot of characters that i that honestly i think could theoretically have been interesting um mm. and then they just drop joe american into the middle of it to be like the savior like i know that the developers not american they're polish but yeah. the, but it just it, se- it it seems incredibly like western centric uh, of a mm. of a mindset and i that really threw me off like right from the very beginning it it just it completely set me on my heels story wise and and the amount of emotion that that Kyle Crane gets invested as Josh referred to earlier, it just it makes literal z- zero sense. It was a real shame because everything else about the game, the gameplay, the environment, everything led to something that could have been a very very interesting and compelling experience. And I just feel like those opportunities, for whatever reason, they weren't capitalized upon, and they decided to take in a different direction.
0: Mm. Anyone further down the character or cast list to make things a little better I, I mean i think jade again is probably one of the characters maybe that you're referring to brian saying could have been interesting yeah, yeah. and i um, think
2: yeah. they just didn't like shit like um oh i'm forgetting his name now josh what was the name of her brother that the one you referred to earlier i can't uh who died raheem. in the raheem yes raheem yeah. So raheem dies in the train like it, like if even if even if the protagonist was jade how much of an impact would that have had what what could that have changed um she's yeah. someone who i could have seen be but then you look at the guy who's leading the tower—is this Australian parkour instructor? <laughs> at, well, so maybe I think he's Australian. meant to be British. Yeah. Oh, actually, was he meant to but, be? Oh, um, I apologize. Yeah, um,
0: that's um, that—that's one of the things I wanted to mention, <laughs> which is uh, some of the accents. A little sketchy, to say the least, and his isn't the worst, by the way. No.
1: No. Well, I think Um, we can all agree that it has one of video games' great romances between Kyle Crane. (laughs) Uh, No, it does not. (laughs) No, it's one of those things where it's like there will be lines between them where it's like, wait, you you thought that this was a, you thought that
3: we would think this was a thing because I did not think this was a thing. Mm. There's just there's no there's The only time Jade and Carl interact is in the middle of a brawl and all their conversation is, you know, straight to business. Like, they're they're on the mission. There's hardly... Like, relationships are solidified in the mundane, in the day-to-day. The reason why, um, like, so many games from, like, CD Projekt Red, uh, Bioware... Even Valve is very good at this. um, um, The reason why their character relationships work is they make sure to ground those character relationships in mundane, day-to-day stuff, as well as the extreme circumstances Mm. that they're dealing with. Um, And there's just, I think, about like the the jokey-joke conversations between characters in The Witcher 3 and and Mass Effect. And that's entirely missing from this plotline. It's just business, like straight to business. And there's no room for that warmth to develop between two people who are meant to be forming a romantic relationship, which is why this rings so hollow because no time is invested between Carl and Jade to just be people,
0: to be human. Mm. And even if it does attempt some of the sort of little human touches that would give us something that is perhaps more lauded like the the last of us or something it still boils down to a very hollywood showdown at the top of the highest tower in the entire (laughs) place with cliches being thrown at each other and last gasp fingernail grabbing and uh, and it and it all devolves into a qte literally there is one and only one qt in the entire 40 hour game or whatever and they make the final boss i mean i i just don't know i i would honestly rather than i, I understand why developers do this because it allows you to make a, a more cinematic uh, confrontation than either just a regular shootout with police squad style people hiding behind bins and popping out and shooting each other or what i'd have preferred which is the ability to just run up and fly and kick him off the edge and <laughs> uh you know and and just have it that way because this felt to me as well as being ridiculously overwrought and overripe just completely out of place with the rest of the experience i'd had visually the game is uh, on the xbox one where i played it as i say it's unenhanced Uh, for 4k or hdr or anything like that and i was initially quite aware of how low res it looked and the fact that the frame rate i think is looking for 30 and maybe i think it achieves 30 frames a second most of the time but overall it's initially not the most kind of you know for for 2020 state of the art looking game but actually the more i played it the more scenes of spectacle and beauty i noticed Some of the scenery and some of the the atmospheric lighting for the day night cycle, particularly as the as the day wears on and some really brilliant, uh, I think, fire in the sort of on some of the sections all more like uh, dungeons where you go off into uh, isolated segments, uh, instances, if you will, where it's a kind of level um some really cool interiors and underground sewers and things like that and then if if you start playing around with your weapons and using the fire and explosions you can end up with some genuinely amazing looking scenes now so that's me on xbox one but i imagine if you're playing on pc as at least a couple you did uh, you can play at 60 frames a second or more you can play at 4k resolutions and um, things must start to look really quite impressive
1: yeah, it's a it's a nice-looking game. You know, I I think when I played it this January, I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, this is this is kind of what a game looks like." But it's what, 4 years old? 5 years old at this point? Five years old. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so it's I think it's aged very well, and one of the things that I'm I I'm most impressed with is the density of some of these scenes is really impressive. Like I remember mm. the first time you go onto one of those overpasses and like I feel like I've never seen bumper to bumper traffic represented quite in this way where it is like literally every inch is full of cars having kind of like crashed into or been stopped by the other and and just kind of like I don't I don't know how technically difficult that is to do, given that they're you know they're all staying in the same place or whatever, but like it does really mm. feel like one of the big steps up in this game is like just how dense they can make the environments, and and there's so much detail in in all of these slums that you're you're running through at you know 60 miles an hour. Um and also frequently there will be a lot a lot of zombies on screen and that's something that you know dead rising had a lot of zombies on screen but there is quite a step up in in visual detail here and so seeing you know being being able to look out and see 300 zombies packed into a hallway or something is still very impressive um so i think it i think it, it walks a nice uh tightrope where it's like it's good looking It's not the best I've ever seen, but at the same time, it does a lot of stuff, perhaps because it's not going for perfect photorealism that that I think enhances gameplay really well. So I think it I think it walks a nice line.
0: I think uh, one one area in which perhaps it does betray it's maybe it's not the the same sort of level of budget. Well, we know it probably isn't the same level of budget as, say, a Rockstar game. It are things like the repetition on certain assets so that traffic that you talk about there aren't that many types of car or van or truck <laughs> That's or bus true. uh so swings and roundabouts in in that respect i'm also wondering obviously i don't i don't have a comparison i remember when dead rising 2 came out a pc owning friend said look at this look at the 360 version compared to the pc version and effectively the the pc version is saying look i've got this much cpu and gpu power so i can render four times as many zombies on screen at any one time uh i don't know how that works in this whether it whether the engine's doing similar kind of on the hoof management i did notice a little bit of pop-in of zombies at certain points on the xbox one Mm -hmm. version and maybe maybe there are more zombies in your peripheral vision and stuff on pc depending on the system specs that you've got to hand Hard to hard to know without uh, running them side by side or asking the developer, um, Brian. What what did you play this on?
2: I played an Xbox One X. Um, I noticed some of that uh, too. Um, mm-hmm. There was it definitely was the I got I think you know I'm not much of a frame rate guy as much no, as sure. being able to, to to pinpoint it, but it was pretty much 30 stable. I didn't really have any any real dips um, as far as reusing assets. I use I noticed that a lot throughout the open world of the game. But, um, the areas that you would instance into, um, or I, or kind of load into, whether it was a, yeah. a quarantine zone or like there's the one main mission where you have to go to the school, um, I found the detail in those environments was really, really nice. Like, I, like, like going through an elementary school that had been repurposed as a kind of a staging area for the quarantine zone, like, um, like it was really striking to have the dichotomy of both like the the decorations you would see in a child's classroom versus the medical supplies that were necessary during the pandemic. And so that I thought those areas really well realized. And then in the open world, it was kind of like the the world itself, the city itself, the structures were kind of the kind of the unique parts when you, when but anytime you'd get inside anywhere, you could you'd it'd be the same basket, the same, you know, the same red crates, yeah. the same, you know, the same yeah. cupboards to open types of things like that. Um And I think that's pretty typical of games like this. It actually reminded me a lot of The Division 2 in the sense that in The Division 2, while I think the streets of DC are more detailed than the streets of Iran, it is a game that came out five years later, but the interior designs of the levels that you go into is always much more detailed and much more focused. You can kind of see where the attention went to.
0: Hmm. I suppose another area where I think this is even for five years old it's perhaps not top of the class is the facial tech and animation uh it's, obviously, it's hard to
1: tell what the facial tech is doing when you're skipping through every line as i did
0: <laughs> yeah there is that there is that and and but you do wonder like sometimes i would say uh, this is a, an interesting thing maybe it's a, a wider conversation to be had at some point but a really convincing human face in a game and we are now getting some games which have pretty uncanny in both the positive and negative s- sense of that word looking human avatars uh, or, uh, or NPCs. I think it can help possibly enhance one's connection with the story just because our brains feel like we're looking at some, something closer to human. Whereas when you've got, I say in this game you've got these very manikinny puppety, almost last gen looking humans. I think it doesn't it doesn't add any weight to yeah. what they're saying.
1: Yeah, something that I will praise though, uh, the kind of in the same arena is um, this is this is a bit uh, gross, but the. The mm. kind of gore tech on the zombies, I actually think, right. is really impressive. And, well, and it's important. You know, for this game, right? Yeah. It's, no. it's a huge part of it. Um, you know, the zombies, their faces don't matter so much, but the way that you can kind of uh, de limb them uh, fairly, mm. you know, fairly intensely and, and just kind of the way their bodies look like they're they're falling apart and then you can uh, very quickly speed that up with your weapons um <laughs> you know there's there's this kind of feel where even though even though the game has kind of many absurd elements and by the end you'll probably be hitting them with like a a baseball bat that electrocutes them and sets them on fire oh, or yes. something <laughs> the, the way the actual gore and and flesh is treated is is legitimate enough that it it still feels kind of dark and scary you know that that it's not it's not quite dead rising where you can you can put like a shower head on a zombie and then they like spray blood everywhere you know it's like (laughs) it feels it feels serious just because of how seriously the the gore is taken and that's a it's a gross thing to talk about but i think it does really aid the the sense of feeling in the game
0: yeah i think uh, most people have seen if not followed the walking dead tv series which kind of uh became well known for for tv standards for pretty high quality special effects a lot of practical effects with a bit of cg uh, enhancement in some cases or some cases not enhancement but um that that sort of you i mean jacob you made a video about the the glory and the power of the headshot why it's such a disturbing yet moorish thing to um to indulge in and really i think you can extend that headshot stuff to deca- any you know de- decapitation limb severance mm-hmm. shooting people in the kneecaps or whatever there is a there is a joy and a satisfaction to be had from this stuff for most of us, for the vast, vast majority of people. And there was another study recently, which says, uh, no findings, no connection between video game violence and real world violence. But as much as I know, some people who would find it deeply off-putting, I'm somebody who is pretty much entirely pacifistic in real life, not squeamish as such, but would find, I find Mm. real life violence extremely disturbing even minor acts of violence in real life I am horribly uncomfortable with. Yet, in a video game, I do want my violence to be cathartic and mm. convincing.
3: Yeah, I think context is is very, very important because um, mm. there's a uh, a satisfaction that can be taken from violence when it feels morally justifiable right like with zombies with nazis uh with demons like they they're, they're, they're not nazis. they're a threat they they that you are on the right side um in that conflict so, right this um, game
1: this game does kind of do maybe maybe this was kind of last of us popularized it but you do have the infected that kind of show humanity as they're as they're running at
0: you which is that's a bit disturbing
1: i think i think appropriately so like it is nice to have that kind of reminder there um Mm. uh, and so they haven't they haven't totally you know taken taken the disturbing elements out here and another thing that i i do really like is you fight you fight humans uh as well in this game not as often as zombies but sometimes and mm. they are more or less faceless mercenaries that you know exist to be killed by and you. they shout
0: bad things They, do, they so shout. you know they're bad, bad because they're every every soundbite is a nasty one so everything they say betrays their <laughs> lack <true>. of humanity <laughs> but, it would be much more interesting if they were a bit more like just they were like you but on the other factions,
1: yes, but one thing yeah. that i do I do really like that techland has actually all always done, even in uh Dead Island, is no matter the level of the human enemy, one headshot takes them out, and I think that's a yeah, really yeah, right. interesting yes. distinction because that's not true of zombies, and so right. for you know for them to say like these are these are humans, they're bad humans, you're supposed to kill them, but they are inherently fragile in a way that zombies are not. Is, is just, like, it's interesting. And it, it maybe mm. actually harms the quote-unquote gameplay, because sometimes you can go into very high-level areas of humans and just kind of get lucky or be skilled and, and take them all out in a way that you can't do with the zombies. But I like mm. that they have kind of... They said, like, this is a thing we're standing by. Like, one headshot kills them. That is just part of the game. I, I find it interesting.
0: One of the things, of course, that helps to sell the the squishing the the hacking the slapping of the zombies is the sound, and for me the 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 audio in this game the diegetic sound the sound effects uh the foley all pretty strong um I would say there's a little a certain amount of over reliance on certain audio clips being used a lot I guess it's the the equivalent of the the cut and paste sort of assets visually as well um but one thing I do really enjoy about this game is uh, some of the atmospheric audio cues, music cues. Um, just not so much the action music, which tends to be a bit more in the generic Hollywood kind of mould. Uh, some of it's fine, you know, and it, it drives drives the scene on and whatever. But um, come, some of uh, Pavel Blaschak's sort of uh, moody synth pieces that signify the start of a new day entering an area or something like that i found really actually kind of um almost synesthetic with the lighting and stuff to make to to yeah cement that feeling of being in this hot and uh scary and probably quite smelly place i do find the audio to kind of be uh a little
2: disjointed like it 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 seems to lack from a singular identity, um, and it's. I don't think it's not. I don't think it's just because in like certain areas, um, like combat music seems to be relatively. I don't want to say generic. I think it serves its purpose. It's, it's pretty good. Um, but then you have these these um, little trills that play in the safe zones and your safe house areas, where like it directly reminds me of some of the mandolin string music from The Witcher Three. Where like yeah, where it yeah. reads to me as european and and kind of like or, or even a- almost scandinavian in certain ways like and and so it, it, i don't find it necessarily bad it just it's it to me it just lacks a central identity it doesn't feel like one theme lines up and then the synth parts you're talking about too, Leon, like it just doesn't seem to have that cohesive nature that i normally think of with a soundtrack from a game like this and i think that's to its benefit because like it, if it were just kind of northern Middle Eastern kind of sounds and and song structures, like we would probably consider it relatively trope. So it's nice that they tried some different things. But um, to me, it just didn't really kind of come together as a whole product.
3: Yeah, I just I think pick one, pick one style, and and commit to it. I think the simp stuff is the most effective of the musical choices the games make. Uh, the the game makes um, just because it's so novel. Um, I I've not, never played a zombie game with that style of soundtrack. They tend to go for more kind of traditional. Uh, genre, uh, stylings on that front. Um, so I, I kind of wish it committed to that style, that sim style. There's also like occasionally, um, and this is the best way I can describe it music that sounds like, um, uh, when 24 uh, pans over to Muslims praying, um, <laughs> in, in, in just like that, that kind of like stereotypical kind of um association that we have with that that chanting music uh in kind of with this uh, part of the world kind in of in yeah, yeah in sen- yeah. kind of well I associate it with kind of insensitive fiction yeah right this yeah, kind man. of part of the world and um it was it was a little bit disappointing and I know that that's you know someone's gonna tweet at me and say no this is like authentic music i get that but in the context of an american coming to this place and uh fighting the fighting the good fight it just struck me as a little bit of a poor choice
0: Mm. captain kirk style yeah right let's get into the moment to moment gameplay obviously dead island is probably the single biggest influence although we could then trace that back and look at look at what formed Dead Island in the first place but the different games one has already been mentioned by a correspondent that uh, that make up the whole I would say in terms of I'm not just saying that because obviously all games take influence on one another but there were certain bases that this for me definitely touched and that were would be Mirror's Edge with the parkour, Far Cry specifically 2 and maybe bits of 3 and 4 as well left for dead especially in the uh if you go into the multiplayer and also there's a i think there's a a certain feel of just cause as well uh Mm. especially once you get the grappling hook going um obviously we've got rpg elements as well with the with the xp and the the quests and the looting and the crafting and all that stuff so it is a kind of it's got quite a lot of, it's drawing elements from quite a, a diverse group of games. And uh, how do you feel that it kind of ties them all together in a satisfactory way?
1: Well, I think talking about the the parkour, you know, Mirror's Edge is kind of our, our biggest basis for, for first-person platforming, but it actually feels more to me like like the original Assassin's Creed, kind of before they streamlined all of the all of the the climbing because just push forward. Yeah, yeah, one of one of the things that I really like about this game is when you start and you're climbing before you have the grappling hook and everything, you are really, you know, making your way up these things in a pretty deliberate fashion where you're you're grabbing this bar of the window and then you're going to that windowsill oh, and it's yeah. it's absolutely not something that I could recreate in real life, but it doesn't feel like you are just pushing forward to run up a building the way that it does in some or like in mirrors edge, it doesn't feel like the entire city has been perfectly laid out in a racetrack for you. You know, it does feel like there are some areas that are going to be awkward to climb and you can do it, but it takes a little, a little doing to get there. Um, and so I really liked the kind of like deliberate, deliberate pace of the, the climbing in the first part. And then I think what this game does really well is power escalation. So you've spent so much time doing that, that when you get the grappling hook, then it feels, it feels like you're a superhero, you know, because you've spent so much time slowly making your way up these buildings that being able to just like zoom up to the top of them
3: is really incredible. Yeah. what One thing this game does really, really well um, is making every new ability. So you, you earn new abilities by doing so. If you want to earn more parkour abilities, you just do parkour. If you want to learn more combat abilities, you just do combat. And, and one of the great things is all of those upgrades feel meaningful. It's not that there's a recent trend in games that I'm... I'm find really irritating is the the kind of you've increased your damage by 0.3% with this upgrade right. you you can stun the enemy by like two seconds longer so they um, want to
0: they want to uh, award you upgrades so frequently because that makes people happy right that gives endorphins yeah, yeah, but they but yeah. they they go too far to the point that they're granularly giving out these unnoticeable exactly. perks mm-hmm. right
3: yeah yeah exactly and whereas here every time you unlock a new ability um a, a, you know very specifically with parkour as well um it feels really meaningful um so just like being able to jump over a zombie's head oh, the best ability in roll- the game <laughs> i love yeah, that zombie exactly. head jump <laughs> <laughs> yeah or just being able to roll when you land from a great height so you can recover um just all these like these things that build into a big change for your character, and you end up feeling like, you know, Spider-Man... Well, later on, literally like Spider-Man with the the grappling hook, but Mm -hmm. just the level of agility that your character ends up having is just so empowering. Um, And that's also, um, I think, backed up by some great uh, level design in the world. Um, So it it kind of... uh, it does some of the signalling that um, Mirror's Edge does, but in a more subtle way. So instead of just literally highlighting the path in red the same way Mirror's Edge does, it has, like, colour cues and visual indicators for useful information in the world to help you traverse it. So, like, the BIM bags, which, uh, are, for some reason, are safe to land on. Always, always um, safe. Just like always, safe. <laughs> no, never any rusty nails whatsoever. Um, they're always bright blue, so you can see them from miles away. You can just you can zero in on them, and just like the little ramps and pathways, and um, the color coding of yellow for um, for uh, places that you can mm. uh, grapple up to. Um, it, mm. it, I think a, it's a
0: little bit of a cliche in in the modern uh, uh, absolutely, well, since Uncharted, but... I suppose. Maybe Absolutely.
3: Before. But I think it's just good design. It's it's better than yeah. just having things glow or having things flash red. It's just mm. a more unconscious level piece of yeah. Um, yeah. guiding the player. So one of the things that I really like about this game, but does
1: definitely take the kind of you have to keep playing it thing, is that they they're not afraid to start you weak at the beginning of this game like you you start out and you can't run very fast and you you can jump and climb to some extent but your only weapon is is kind of like a weak wrench and like a you know a stick that you find in someone's laundry basket or whatever and you start so not powerful that then the feeling of of getting stronger in this game is really pronounced and and it's not just the kind of Getting stronger and that your numbers go up and the enemies numbers go up. And so you feel like you're doing the same thing. You know, by the end of this game, I would attempt, you know, taking on on groups of five or six zombies in a ways that I would never do at the beginning of the game because it would absolutely be a death sentence. And it's just it's mm. so cool to kind of feel. I think one of my favorite things in games in general is to feel like you're getting stronger stronger. And I think that's one of the most addictive qualities of this game is that they just do a really good job of slowly ramping you up into feeling like a competent zombie killer. But that means that you have to start pretty bad at the beginning.
2: Yeah. I really like how it stresses in the parkour kind of systems like of how important elevation is, especially in those early hours of the game. Like you can full on avoid zombies almost completely, especially in the slums. If you just stay high, you know, and if you and if you're hitting those jumps right and you get that momentum going, it feels really good. But it's also very staggering and jarring if you fall from a height or miss a jump. And then you hit that ground without those power ups, and all of a sudden you're Get surrounded swanked. by zombies. Exactly. Yeah. So there's a real risk reward in that early game that I that I really enjoyed. Then as you got more powerful, as you've said before, like like giving you those abilities to take on those zombies, to go a little bit lower, to engage a little bit more, to be a little bit more carefree with your movement, it does. It, it, I could literally feel that progression in my in, in my character to just being able to handle the 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 threats of this world at a level to where I just gained confidence and confidence and confidence. And that was what made it just such a such a blast to play the entire time is that I always felt like there was a next like there was another hill to climb. There was a next uh, like check check the check off of my checklist of things to get better. And uh, it drip fed those at just a, such a satisfying pace that that despite some of my other concerns with the game, I never once thought about stop playing it. You know, just it, I kept wanting to <laughs> run
0: back out to do another run. Yeah, I always found that when I did get overwhelmed and taken down and I did die a reasonable amount of times in this game, as I say, it's played on normal. Not sure exactly what the difficulty settings tweaks, whether it's simply damage up, damage down kind of situation or whether there's more to it. I don't think there's any AI issues, probably. Uh, I always felt like I'd mismanaged the situation. So I would try again immediately. Death is barely punished in this game other than you lose some XP which i have mixed feelings about because i it makes dying feel a little inconsequential but that said it also means that i never really got frustrated it's fair scrupulously fair to the point that in this game compared to a lot of others it's fair in that if you've killed as an enemy human or zombie in a in an area certain areas the zombies just keep will keep refilling but it will remember which ones you've even taken out. So if you're in a set piece area, if you take out the big bad and there's still a load of little ones flying around, the big bad will still be down when you come back. In fact, if you've whittled off half a health bar of one of the, uh, you know, the kind of giant tank armoured type zombies, the health bar stays whittled. So again, absolutely no realism here whatsoever. This is like the Vita chamber from Bioshock Hmm. or something like that. It's... uh, it's there's no concession to to reality here i mean i don't know what it's like if you if you go up to nightmare whether it tweaks any of that stuff or whether that whether that's always the same uh and i mean the only real the only real challenging way to play this like some people used to uh, and probably still do play things like far cry in the kind of ultimate survivor iron man mode you could definitely do that here i think you could crank everything up to maximum you could try stealthing around a certain amount at the start i mean the game doesn't necessarily allow you to stealth all the time but there are certain situations where you could and and again i think that's another thing i appreciate about this game is the 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 game i think wants you and encourages you to use melee a lot there are uh, more than a hundred different types of weapon in the game and i would say the vast majority of those are either swords or knives or baseball bats or poles or sticks or planks or things that you swing and hit things with but there are also a handful of uh, firearms including some automatics shotguns and of course a bow and my only disappointment i love a bow in a game uh it was very hard to do enough damage with even with the things like the explosive arrows you could create mayhem but if you just use normal arrows and you wanted to keep things quiet you were sometimes looking at sort of eight or nine headshots on just a regular zombie, and that was quite prohibitive um to fun it It seemed to be variable but um but yeah, so what about your your approaches? I used a lot of guns early on, and then as it became more apparent that ammo was going to be a little more scarce, I started saving the the guns for the tricky the trickier situations and using more of and also as I got ridiculously high damage melee weapons this uh you know modded up glowing baseball bat of doom with fire and electric (laughs) and uh think you could home run things like multiple enemies at once with this thing um but yeah what what were your some of your sort of uh choices and tactics and what what brought you the most pleasure the upgraded dropkick that
2: would knock enemies into other enemies. Mm, so good! Uh, you just get going at a full tilt sprint, and then just drop kick some poor low level zombie you never saw it coming, and just send yeah. him flying. I still, I'm giggling right now. Not, not joking about it. At all like, I just had moments of this game where I would just laugh out loud. Man, it just that, that to me, that was like the perfect progression of the momentum. Because I really loved the parkour and the running in this game too. Like, so when I could make running and attack, like it was just my first thing. I just. I just love to do it. I did it. I did it right through the end, probably in situations where it didn't call for it just because I enjoyed
0: it so much. Talking about those meaningful upgrades again, the one of the things that you certainly spend a, a good chunk of your playtime doing is looting corpses. And there's uh, one that you can get at some stage along the way along your road to being that superhero which uh which kind of doubles or trebles the speed to actually frisk a corpse, yeah. which is oh god that's uh, such um, a really i
1: will say actually a, a really <laughs> a really kind of like not scripted situation that i would find myself in frequently that just felt very very true very kind of zombie movie-esque is be like being chased by several infected or something and jump up on Usually, something not that high, probably like a bus roof or something, yeah, and when you get that that kind of kill down to enemies, you can also kill them as they're climbing up onto something, and so I'd have right. situations where there are like four zombies jumping on the bus from different angles and i would be trying to kind of run around and kick them all down as they climbed up and sometimes it worked and sometimes there were just too many of them and i got overwhelmed and that felt very much like a scene you would see in the walking dead or something where like surrounded Mm -hmm. and and we only have you know the ability to deal with so many at one time
3: i um i think I've realized that I may have missed a uh, pistol or assault rifle pickup early on because, um, oh. Jacob, you were saying that they introduced the guns quite early compared mm-hmm. to Dead Island, whereas for me, it felt like uh, guns weren't introduced until the halfway mark oh. of the game. And oh, no. that may. I had may. Mine early. Exp-
0: Hopefully. Yeah, there's oh, right. some story yeah, mission well, where
3: you, you have to fight, like,
1: dudes in a garage, and they have guns, and then you just take one of theirs. Did you throw yeah, it
3: away, I, um, Josh? <laughs> I, I, I remember that mission, but I remember it being further into the game than that. But um, anyway, I really, really struggled with combat with the regular human uh, enemies up until I got firearms. hmm um, loved fighting the zombies because I could take this kind of guerrilla tactic approach to it, where it was just run in, whack one on the head, run out, run in, kick them, you know, get out of there. But with the with the humanary- enemies they're so aggressive and they're so evasive um, when it's just the standard melee combat that I just got destroyed by them every single time and I just maybe if I if I wanted to learn it I, I could probably master it but i just got to a point of frustration uh funnily enough maybe a few hours before like a couple of hours before firearms were introduced into my playthrough that i ended up lowering the difficulty as you've all mentioned uh previously the moment guns are introduced it's as simple as like aim for the head and they're, they're done they're out for the count um but i don't know there was something about Um, the way the combat was set up where it felt pitch perfect for the zombie encounters, it was the right level of fragility and empowerment. Whereas Mm. whereas I just felt completely at the mercy of the human enemies.
0: Yeah. They can kill you quick. It reminded me a bit of uh, Batman Arkham in that respect, in that kind of, okay, now I'm up against, even though obviously in those games, Batman doesn't use a gun and you can, it reminded me of that sense of actually I'm, Correctly, I am really fragile if somebody opens fire with an assault weapon on me.
1: Um, there was this thing, uh, maybe, maybe y'all used them and I didn't, but you were constantly find, finding like throwing knives and tomahawks and, and other stuff like that, which seemed yeah. like they should have been more effective against the humans, because they certainly weren't very effective against the zombies. But, but yeah. in fact, they didn't do anything to them either. And so I just kind of ended the game with like hundreds of <laughs> throwing knives in my trunk.
0: Same. Uh-huh. Yeah. You can get some nice you can make you can make fashion yourself some explosive shurikens mm. and things like this. yeah But actually I I as I understand it although I didn't unlock this perk myself, the one where you can throw anything. So it allows you to throw melee oh, weapons. Did you not people. get that perk? Appar- yeah. That's no apparently that yeah, really, that, that really
1: That's hurts. important. That's a good one.
0: Yeah,
2: I did it without that. Uh i actually i wasn't gonna mention this before uh but i i made it through a lot of the 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 back half of old town um without using the grappling hook because i just didn't pick it up from the safe area quick enough (laughs) so like i was really struggling for like the first hour or two of old town being like what am i doing wrong like i keep falling down and getting these zombies and then i went to the safe area because i had unlocked that blueprint or or unlocked it in whatever way and just had never picked it up from the bag after the fight in the what you took rice's arm off so that was a i definitely you know Hindered myself for a while by not using that. And then as I got that, I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. So, yeah, I guess we all kind of had something where we didn't use it at the right
0: time. (laughs) One mechanic I wanted to mention was, which I thought was interesting, the fact that it gives you it from the off is the survivor sense. You hold down the cross or A button and it sends out a kind of light pulse, which indicates where interactable things are, where lootable searchable items are and also even shows you your enemies through the walls and this is without any perks which is pretty handy but it seems a little um again it's more like a superpower or or a a tech power whereas in this game it's just like yeah this guy just has that and when you're born in america you're
2: imbued with that ability when (laughs) they hand you your copy of the constitution and your american flag do-rag you also just get this innate ability it's it's wow it's a well kept secret. Right, but, we um, traded yeah. it for
1: healthcare. Um. Yes, <laughs> <laughs>
2: it was
1: cheap. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think I think that that survivor sense is um honestly almost required in some situations where it's just like find a book in this apartment or something, and and you really don't know necessarily which things you should be you know which are interactable, which you should be opening, and so for just the kind of like find this thing quests of which there are a lot. I was really glad to have that sense, but I didn't end up actually using it that much to find zombies because usually I was just like running so fast that I I never even stopped long enough to send out a pulse.
0: Yeah. um, It's I found it actually really useful in uh, some of the set piece indoor or outdoor levels with uh, human ai enemies uh, because they will take cover mm. unlike zombies but also sometimes yeah just to know actually what's lurking you, you find yourself inside a, a building relatively hunkered down and just to know what's directly outside is uh is sometimes quite useful if you especially if you don't want to get into any uh skirmishes at a particular point for whatever reason it can be quite handy a huge aspect of this game the The tagline is good night and good luck. The day-night cycle. So weirdly, the balance of this is odd in that uh, the day is much, 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 much longer than the night. Uh, According to IMDB, when the sun goes down, the infected transform into something much more dangerous. They gain the ability to sprint and have increased damage as well as the ability to jump and climb buildings. The day cycle lasts for approximately 64 hours real minutes while the night cycle lasts for approximately seven minutes when asked about the short night time binkowski who worked on the game said i've seen a grown man cry during the night so yeah seven minutes is definitely enough the night's cool and that and there are a few missions and side quests which mandate that you have to go out at night i think the lighting's pretty cool it's genuinely really dark you have a torch which in this game actually works Mm-hmm. and uh, successfully lights up the correct area in front of you and things like that. Um, but my main issue with with this is, is there are these um, particularly malevolent um, virals at night. Yeah, volatiles. 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 Volatile. Volatile. And they are really, really, really mean. Like, you can take them down. There's an achievement for taking one down, and I think you can get some quite good loot off them. Um, possibly some biological parts and things like that but the reward for doing anything at night is just double xp and because you die you tend you're much more likely to die and your penalty is losing xp i tended to find that there were times when i just uh i would just finish a mission a little while into the night and then find a safe house and go to bed then and you get to cash in some xp at that point but the thought of actually deliberately uh, yeah. m- making uh, runs out uh, activity at night, it, the the reward wasn't worth the risk for me.
3: Yeah, for me this is this is such a missed opportunity because, in terms of just atmosphere, um, lighting, uh, all of that, so sound design. I think this is an incredible moment of horror. The the few instances where. Um, these night nighttime runs are scripted Um, that feeling of being chased and there's just threats all around you it's truly truly scary Um, and I love those moments but the game um, so rarely gives you any reason as you say Leon gives you a reason to engage with this system I, I would have loved it if it was more Embedded in the actual narrative of the game, um, there were more story missions that actually required this this element of the game, or just more side missions um, that like engage with this as well. I know there are a couple, but um, for something that that ended up being like a highlight for the game for me, like I think the, the 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 few instances where the game forces you to engage with this are just just the most horrific this game ever gets. Um it it just yeah, it just feels like it's it's underused and underutilized and uh, I wish the game had uh, had integrated it more thoroughly. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like players will find a way to min-max
1: themselves out of having fun. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah. I, I really enjoyed when I was forced out in the night. But I knew it was risky. And so whenever I found a bed, I would just like sleep until morning. And so I would yeah. like never have to mm-hmm. do it. And, and you know, sleep
0: the one hour until night and then the nine hours until morning. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah. um, and so it just yeah, it, it's weird to say like, I loved it. I wish they made me do it. But when it comes to situations like this where it's like inherently a risk to do, it's not something that I want to do. But then once forced into it then i enjoy it but the game has to give you that push because i'm just too risk averse to do it myself
2: yeah it had some of those real like moments for me when you were forced to do it like where i get taken down by a horde of zombies and they kind of be all over you snapping and clawing at you just and you had just your flashlight kind of like flailing around like where it's just like i was impressed at like how like the level of fear and risk that they were able to achieve but then also simultaneously being like, well, that was a really incredible experience. I'm glad I had it. Let's also never have that again. Like, that was that kind of, mm. you know, the the push and pull from that.
0: I also wonder, so I think that all four of us played this almost exclusively in single player. And this is a game which is very much designed to cater for drop in, drop out, much like the Division, the Division 2, the the four player thing. It's not built around four player like Left for Dead was, which is just you know a a lesser experience with with fewer fewer than four humans but i i actually i I just had a a quick dabble with some randoms and and i I just i didn't get the i felt like i could have been having a good time if, if we'd all managed to coordinate and all had the same format and played it as a four and then come back on the show to talk about it if that had been possible that probably would have been good fun but i it still feels to me like a game that is probably at its most exciting when played solo.
1: Yeah, I played uh this this time through my most recent playthrough, I made an effort to play co-op, and it was with not four people, but like one person that I know pretty yeah. well. Um and and it was fine, um, but it was it was not more than the sum of its parts, you know. Like I, I had fun playing with them and I have fun playing solo. The added fun was really just talking to someone who I'm friends with uh, because the game doesn't give you really any meaningful ways to cooperate. You're, you're just kind of two generic white dudes with exactly the same abilities and, and maybe slightly different weapons, but there, there are no skills to kind of uh, coordinate with each other necessarily. You can't do team kills on zombies. Mm. And the, the map is so big and the, the objectives are so spread out that, Honestly, we would just find ourselves in completely separate parts of the map, and so I'd be like, "I'm dying," and I'd be like, "Well, I'm half a mile away, so good luck." Um, you know, it, it felt like if it was more linear, it actually would have maybe been better for co-op. But we just got separated so easily.
0: Yeah, I should say I, I'm somebody who loves co-op gaming at its at its finest. It's one of one of my you know top top ways to play but i don't always take the advantage and obviously practicalities come into it and and stuff like that but yes whereas i've loved playing co-op the division two in recent months uh, with friends this just was never even it was never even on the cards really but that said it was good to see that as soon as i opened my gates basically it's one of those games where you just set your setting and say do i want people to come in um it was it was there 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 were people they were they were happy to join in. And um, yeah, it, it, it functioned perfectly fine. There's also a mode which I guess, inspired by Dark Souls, allows uh, Be the Zombie humans to invade as night hunters and actually uh, become a, a much more powerful and deadly adversary. Which again, does sound like a lot of fun, but it's something that you can simply not switch on and give yourself an easier time, but maybe deprive yourself of some
1: fun yeah this this i also messed around with a little and just it just wasn't what i was playing the game for you know mm. i was always so excited to like oh, i gotta get to the next objective and then i'll get that blueprint and then i'll be able to yeah. build this and when you get invaded all your objectives go away and if you're if you're a human being invaded your new goals are to basically like run around and kill all these zombie nests that the I the see. infected has brought in and that can involve Running across half the map and and suddenly you know you're you're doing something that you weren't planning on and you are way away from your goal. and in Dark Souls, you know being invaded is kind of like a tense couple minutes. In this, the invasions are pretty long um, and right. and now, especially if you're playing, the people who are invading have been doing this for years, <laughs> um, and so you are likely to just kind of d- yeah. get wrecked. Sure,
0: I can imagine. But it's there if you want it, as is uh, there's also some um, sort of community developer tools to make your own maps and stuff like this. So as much as I think those are, these are things that only a tiny percentage of people will engage with, it's great that they're there and they're, they're there on the menu for you to pick up and enjoy if you get that much into, into the basics of the game, I suppose. One other, I would say... Uh, <laughs> I would say this is the minutiae, but it's not because it's something that you spend so much time doing lock picking in this game now, lock picks are easy to come by, and you can make more fairly easily, so breaking lock picks is not particularly a big deal. What is a big deal is it's a pretty sort of bog standard, fairly straightforward lock picking mini game, and you're asked to do it a lot and for what feels like less and less reward as the game goes on yeah i kind of feel like the lock picking
2: mini game if you can even call it that is just so rote and standard from the bethesda style um and i'm sure they weren't the first to do that Um, but basically your your style of just kind of having the essentially 180 degrees you gotta turn your lock pick and find the right spot for it i would have much rather just had them like press x to lock pick it have an animation of him lockpicking and just have like a three or four second window so you still kind of have like the threat of you don't want to do it in the middle of combat but also yeah. but also not make you go through that the entire time because if you have the lockpick like you're probably going to be able to do it it's just like it just becomes especially when the rewards like you said Leon, aren't great enough to
0: you know to, to, to put forth that effort and risk every single time yeah but of course you feel like you ought to try because you never know until especially when you see it's a very hard lock so the locks are graded from easy up to very hard I think and if you've done your survivor sense you'll see that there's a color indicated that which it's got the sort of loot the now fairly standard loot uh color coding system so if you see that it's got a purple on it or whatever you can't resist and then you get it and you find out that it's something that does half the damage of everything you're already carrying and i suppose it means you can sell it so you know there's still some value to be had but yeah i didn't i didn't despise this but it was one of those things i just thought maybe fewer locks that needed picking would have been fine just like half the amount or something like that. yeah what i
1: found frustrating about it was just like in a game where you get better at everything this stays exactly the same the whole game and and there yeah. are no there aren't even like skills to make it easier there might be one right. that's like make the lockpick harder to break but it's just like mm. you know i can i'm happy to start doing this and then how about halfway through the game i get just something that makes it easier or even does it automatically you know everything yeah. else has a power increase super lock but in the 60th yeah. hour of <laughs> the game you're picking locks exactly the same way that you were
0: doing in the first hour Very good point. Hmm. Hopefully that's another thing they'll maybe have addressed for the sequel, which is uh, much delayed, but still on its way as far as we know. Quarantine zones are something that I only very latterly engaged with and uh, had a little delve into an underground station um but i think uh, some of you guys have done more of these i was put off i think by the descriptions they tended to imply that these were extraordinarily difficult but um but i think you guys actually uh, found them to be in uh, interesting and exciting diversions
1: um yeah so i really like the quarantine zones because they are um almost like story missions but even more so they're really tightly controlled arenas where where you go into one and it's like hotel and then the whole you know scenario takes place in these three stories of a hotel building and one of the things that that lets them do is actually lean into horror much more so than they do in the rest of the game because it's so tightly controlled or there's there's ones where you'll kind of You'll be able to hear zombies like through the whole thing, and, and they'll sound like they're right behind you, but you won't actually see them until you figure out that, like, oh, I need to push over this bookshelf. And then finally, here's where clearly all the people, like, hid here last time, and and then someone was infected, and so they bit them, and they were all trapped behind this bookshelf, and now you reveal the bookshelf, and they all come out. It's just it it It's really the really tight situations, and I also felt like for a game that has fairly poor you know dialogue and story overall, these were really strong environmental storytelling mm-hmm. where there was rarely a text explanation of like, well, here's what went on in this restaurant, but you would just pick up on all these little things um so yeah, I really liked them, I found them very atmospheric.
2: There's one specifically towards the beginning that I remember. I think it's a grocery store where the middle of the grocery store is flooded and it has that pretty stereotypical video game thing of like, there's some power line that's in the water, which is electrifying all the water you can't step in, um, which is, you know, it's definitely a scenario we've seen in video game before. But it made it really interesting because um, you're kind of having to parkour over the grocery store racks and then like you could lure zombies into the, the electricity. You could you mm. could engage them with firearms. You could get down, and try to melee quick and get back out. Um it just like like Jacob already said like kind of more I don't want to say combat puzzly cuz it, it's not all combat but it just it just taking all the systems of the game and putting them into a unique environment every time and right. giving you a different experience. Um yeah, so I didn't um I I didn't do all of them um but the ones I did I I really enjoyed mm. and Kind of like I die a few times and kind of figure out a path, figure
0: out a pattern and then and then you know kind of solve it by the end. I haven't got the actual number in front of me but I I know they added a couple in updates or uh, as part of the DLC, but I think maybe there's like eight in total, maybe. Anyway, yeah. Uh, And also, I mean, I didn't really know how these fit in with my view of the Dying Light world, but there are challenges which made me think of something like Crackdown, (laughs) this kind of... (laughs) Hi, here's a guy, and he's going to challenge you to do a parkour course in a certain amount of time. And, again, it's a video game. It's fine. You can do it, and you can engage with it or not. As with the quarantine zones, I'm not sure. Are the rewards worth engaging with these, or is it are they a, their own no. reward?
2: No, the, I mean, the, the rewards aren't worth it. Um, It's just money and XP, and, and either one of those you can get in, in pretty uh yeah. pretty good supply so um, as if you're going for the
0: hundred percent right to
2: do yeah i i didn't engage with any of the ones other than the parkour ones i absolutely loved the parkour challenges because it because oh, okay they reminded me a lot of like pure mirror's edge yeah, but sure. it had more of the choose your own adventure type of thing like there was clearly mm. a path they wanted you to or mm. at least were leading you down but it essentially was right. just you're at a spot in the map and there's an arrow on another spot of the map, and it's like, get here in a certain amount of time.
0: Like Mario, Mario yeah, Odyssey. Exactly, right. yeah.
2: And it <laughs> it really, I loved those. There was one there was one of the three-star ones that I, I probably spent a good three or four hours before I got the route down to get the gold. You know, it, it Basically, like a lot of challenges in those games, you can get the bronze, silver, gold, you know, time. Yeah, yeah. And I, I loved them, but that's just because I specifically liked the parkour running. Like, I could see somebody bouncing off those pretty easily, like... Like that, that one I'm referring to specifically started on a bridge and you had to kind of walk along the concrete dividing wall for a long time without falling. And I loved it, but I could definitely see people engaging with it, falling off once and being like, all right, <laughs> like, let's move on to something else. But, um, yeah, I love the parkour ones. I can't speak to the other. I think there's combat ones too. Yeah. I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Plenty of, uh, plenty of side stuff activities to do if you if you're into it enough and you want to go for the hundred percent get all the trophies or achievements whatever else including some collect ups as well there are a hundred little tiny statues to be found in and around the world i think i found less than 20 fewer than 20 of these there are 30 flags which are mainly a top uh, basically to prove you scaled places but certainly i, I don't know about you but I would go up a place and then just not think about collecting a flag, maybe if I was more of that mindset. Uh, So, yeah, I got a tiny percentage of those as well. And then there are also a large amount of text logs and audio logs. The audio logs you won't even hear unless you actually specifically go into the menu and seek them out. And now here's where I I have mixed feelings because I feel like it's harsh to criticise a game's story backstory and flavor text and all that stuff if you hadn't fully engaged with it but i don't feel like it did enough to make me want to
2: yeah i kind of feel the same way i don't have much more to add than that no i didn't really nothing that kind of the text and audio log specifically is just like like i i wasn't engaging with the story when it was mandatory i wasn't going to try to engage with that
0: kind of optionally yeah. uh, but and the reason i say i feel bad about that is just because and uh, yeah, maybe I should have done more due diligence for this podcast. But sometimes when you play these games, you find that there's actually more nuggets of gold yeah. hidden in the, the extra materials than there is in the main stuff. So I might, we might be doing it a disservice by not having had engaged. But if that was our experience that we didn't feel motivated to do so, then that's also our honest experience. Yeah. So. Hmm. Alex 79 UK says Dying Light is a decent game that really ends up outstaying its welcome a little. When I first started playing, it was really everything I wanted from a zombie apocalypse. Not as silly as Dead Rising or as unforgiving as Zombie U, but a nice balance in the middle. The acting from the main character is fairly terrible. In fact, (laughs) it reminded me of Far Cry and the story is also entirely forgettable. But what you do have is an awesome sandbox in which to run about killing zombies. The variety of weapons and mods was good and really mixed up how you approached each situation. Towards the end of the game, when guns and ammo are a lot more abundant, I found myself playing it almost as an FPS. The city looks great, you can almost feel the oppressive heat of the sun coming through your TV. The enemies are cool too with a nice variety of types, but then the horrors really begin at night. The first time I encountered those extra tough super quick night monsters, I ran and ran as fast as I could to a safe house, and vowed never to be out after dark again they were horrible i hate being chased in games and they are genuinely some of the worst encounters i've ever had in gaming nightmare inducing i've still got the following expansion to play through which i will at some point tearing around in a in that buggy seems like huge fun all in all this is a good game maybe a bit too long but i enjoyed it i
2: had to laugh at that phrase fairly terrible i like that it was it was it was moderately
0: disgusting (laughs) yeah qualifying oxymoron yeah um well yes the the zombie types is something we haven't talked too much about we've mentioned the exploding ones there's the ones which are faster and the ones at night which are meaner one thing and this is a five-year-old game now but i feel like it's a challenge now for any developer to come up with new zombie types that haven't already appeared in every game. The one that spits, the one that blows up, the one that runs faster and etc. and so forth. Yeah, the one uh, that this is one that of those.
2: has like a call that attracts other zombies.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes, of oh, course. Which yeah, actually, is we should point out in this game that's really a gross. toddler like yeah, and, it's like, hard oh, yeah <laughs> it is it is probably the yeah. most horrific this game gets is like you are going to strangle a child
0: yeah you have to put those down you can't shoot those right okay if you well if you can honestly
1: one of one of the more horrifying strategies that i came up with is if you're quick you can throw your weapon at it and so there were there were several that i Huh. Managed to chuck my machete at before it mm. <laughs> screamed, which was effective Strangely. and didn't make me feel good. <laughs> did
2: it's you know? That- did you know Jacob Geller advocates for
0: throwing <laughs> weapons at toddlers? <laughs> 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 only, only already gray, freakish zombie toddlers. <laughs> but it's interesting, isn't it? That that we almost got to this point of the podcast without mentioning that, which is a bit that every time I had to do it. Like they're not an abundant enemy, but they are used in areas and in sequences and there's more of them in the following as well Uh, when silent hill the original came out konami was motivated to change the design of an enemy because it resembled a baby or a toddler too much to upset people and then 10 years on we had the dead space 2 babies (laughs) yeah we're in a post dead
1: space 2 world anything is
0: allowed now and nobody even mentioned these really did they i don't remember any controversy about this but these are deliberately meant to be human toddlers or babies that have recently been zombified and you have to put them down and even kind of yeah so there's a it's a bit like the uh, the little sisters in BioShock where he kind of shushes them to sleep if he decides to uh uh to to euthanize them but then there's no little sister style rescue with these there's <laughs> there's no there's no option to give them salvation of any kind yeah they don't
2: they don't they don't leave presents for you around the (laughs) around the levels of you uh,
0: unless by present you mean a horde of screaming (laughs) zombies Mm. so yeah the bozak horde i is a it was a dlc edition this was part of the season pass Uh, again i didn't visit it it's effectively a a kind of a a slog through a horde i guess if you really love the combat uh, more than anything else in this game and you've got the kit to do it you might want to it's it's one of the areas that you go to via via a fast travel it's an instanced place there's also cuisine and cargo which was uh, Those were the, the extra quarantine zones. There were a bunch of cosmetic and weapon bundles I saw for £2.39 or around $3, which uh, I didn't pay for any of those. And the updates also brought some new tougher enemies, including the... I, I think there was slight, some slightly more comic book stuff in some of the bigger enemies with the kind of big American football-looking guys with armour on and spikes and stuff. Uh, where the any sort of semblance of realistic <laughs> zombie apocalypse goes out the window, uh, they added some more bounties and weapons, a silencer apparently. Very sweetly, um, when I think it must have been around the time he died, George Romero, of course, father of the the modern zombie fiction or fantasy. Uh, they added a mural to him somewhere in the city as a tribute. But also, there's a repeatable quest which I know Jacob has done. I haven't done this. Uh, you get get to it on a boat, the prison heist, but it sounds quite intriguing.
1: It's, it's kind of intriguing. It is, it is a very hard, high level area that, that just kind of throws you through a number of rooms with a variety of, of zombies. Um, and when you get through it, you know, there's kind of a big boss fight at the end. Um, you get through it, you get, into a room with all of these locked treasure chests and you have a certain amount of time to spend there before uh, the island self-destructs or something. You just you have an amount of time and actually the amount of time you have is based on how quickly you got through the previous prison section. Um But the thing that sucks is that all the chests are locked. And so it's like you get through this and it's like, all right, you've got 45 seconds to lock pick as many chests as you can. Maybe everything in here will suck. You just don't know. Um, Mm. And and so I thought the (laughs) the actual experience of the prison was pretty fun, but I do not like that type of reward. Um, And so I, I was a little disappointed by that.
0: Hmm. Shame. Oh, well, the major bit of DLC Is the following, which uh, arrived in February 2016 and takes the action to a rural area outside the main city of Haran. My analogy for this was it's like the blood and wine of Dying Light, in that uh, it has got a whole new map, a new area. It's slightly brighter and more colourful and prettier. Uh, It's slightly less linear, although there is a story that you follow through, but you kind of spend your time earning the trust of the locals to get to the bottom of this sort of mystery. But the hero feature is the buggy, which as well as all the other games that we've already mentioned, folds it in elements of Half-Life 2 Episode 2. Josh mentioned earlier the, the drag race. Well, here you get to drive your buggy around all over the map. Flat out, it reminded me of Bugbear's kind of jalopy uh, kind of herky jerky, janky racing game series, but also, of course, Carmageddon.
1: Yeah, I also I, I want to point out that the the following has a really interesting story uh, finale, which the mm. original game does not, um, and so that <laughs> makes it kind of remarkable in its own way. But there's this thing in the following where um, there is the, all of all of the kind of people you're interacting with are praying to this thing that they refer to as a deity and happens to actually be kind of like an intelligent zombie of some sort um and she asks you to basically blow up the whole area like with a nuclear bomb kind of contain the 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 disease by blowing everything up um and so you can either do that or you can you can tell her no i'm not going to and then what happens is you kind of you're bit at some point, and you're kind of stumbling through these sewers trying to escape the, the final level, and and kind of your vision's going blurry and you're hearing zombie noises. And then it, it ends by you crawling out of the sewers, and then the final cutscene, you crawl out of the sewers onto a city street with pedestrians and stuff clearly like not in Haran somewhere else Outside and then the quarantine yes zone. and then you do a kind of infected scream and then the the mm. game cuts to black and so it's you know it's it's a fairly dark ending but you know in terms of like effective horror tropes I think it's a much more interesting ending than yeah. uh, than you know kicking a guy with a briefcase off a building or however the original <laughs> game ends <laughs>
0: Yeah, I took the easy way out because apparently to get to that ending, you have a really nightmarishly difficult boss fight with the uh, the sort of half human, half zombie mother figure, which I wasn't really up for by that stage of uh, 55 hours or whatever it was, 45 hours of dying light. And uh, I needed to move on. So I just uh, I just nuked, nuked everyone, myself included. <laughs> um. But yes, the other ending is out there, you want to see it. And uh, as well as all the various content and treats that we've already talked about in the game, there's uh, there's a bunch of quite fun extra stuff. If you want it right at the beginning of the game, you can go and get a hidden weapon, which is designed for the developers to hack and slash their way through the early stages of the game. It's overpowered. Uh, you can look up where that is. But there's also uh, an XB caliber sword which you have to uh, claim from a a particular location. And that also does some serious deals some serious damage. The crane's room is quite a nice thing. It's not the only game that's done this, but uh, your main hub, uh, the, the tower in the, in the slums has a place where you can always go and sleep and stay. And as well as when you unlock enemies, it starts uh, showing the photos of the different enemy types on the walls, but also as the game progresses, uh, more of the sort of things that have happened throughout the game. again, maybe this would land even better if you actually cared about Kyle Crane and his adventures, but it's quite a nice touch anyway there's a there's a master sword replica on the wall that you you see a kid playing with, and even there's a little guitar propped up against the wall a bit like metro twenty thirty three You can interact with it and it just uh, plucks a couple of notes. but there's one mission where you can find some guitar lessons as one of the documents. And that enables Kyle to actually play a tune on the guitar. Up on the roof in the same location, there's a checkers game, which I don't think I even spotted this, but uh, you keep taking turns in this uh, game of checkers or drafts for us English folks. Um, And eventually, if you continue seeing that game through, I think you win and you win a, a blueprint, which is. Uh, we haven't gone into but you can imagine it's the recipes for weapons and stuff this one gives you the zombie fart bomb which uh, i don't think it's actually called that but if you chuck it at a group of zombies they all kind of start emitting gas and then explode which (laughs) is probably quite handy there's a very deliberate destiny loot cave easter egg which has aged now because no one remembers or cares about the destiny loot cave possibly Uh, more outstanding perhaps is the super mario brothers world one one you go into a chimney somewhere in the town there's a green pipe and you find yourself in a first person recreation of super mario brothers level one one but with blood instead of water at the bottom i think Uh, if you complete that you unlock a suit a bru- well, I should say a blueprint for a suit called the Pisa suit, which allows you to glide like the Tanuki in Super Mario Bros. 3. And finally, I think this is in the following. There's a flower that you if you try to pick this flower, you interact with it. You get taken to an area which is the camera's locked side on and you've got a bunch of plants on one side and zombies on the other. And it looks like Popcaps plants versus zombies. There you have it. There's also, if you were intrigued by the fiction more than we were, there's a, a novel, a tie-in novel called Dying Light Nightmare Row by Raymond Benson. It has uh, four stars from 24 ratings on Amazon, but it tells the story of Mel Wyatt, an 18-year-old American athlete who participated <laughs> in the Haran 2015 Global Athletic Games two weeks before the outbreak. Uh glad to see they're as, widening
1: their horizons. Yeah, let's get an <laughs> yes. American
0: let's get an American's perspective on the situation. <laughs> I assume Raymond Benson is an American author as well. Maybe yeah, I should probably. have got. Yeah. Um anyway, uh there it is. It's uh it's still only 17 pounds ninety nine on Amazon.co.uk, so <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> we also have some three word reviews from you. Follow us on Twitter at KDARink Brian. The Baboon Baron says Twisted Ankle Silliness.
3: Alex79UK says Darkness, Run Home. Chris Robinson says Nighttime is scarier. KingyXP says Dead Island
0: Enhanced. And Christina says Zombie Killing Awesomeness. Gets right to the point. Thank you all. Now, can we summarize our Dying Light experience? What do we make of it? Would we recommend it? Josh?
3: Dying Light is a a great lesson in the importance of tone and uh, all the different elements of your game uh, coalescing together um, and just working together to achieve a a unified goal. Um, I think about other zombie games that are kind of worth comparing Dying Light to. So uh, Resident Evil 4 is silly it's campy it's over the top but it fully embraces that and it allows you and so does the gameplay and it and it just allows you to go along with its silly ride that it takes you on and and just focus in on the the depth and um brilliance of the game's mechanics then you have the last of us which takes the opposite tact which is really dramatic and serious and somber and all the imagery is grotesque and haunting and you're meant to be disturbed by the imagery um, and you're meant to feel horrified Um, and that game's really successful at what it does dying light tries to have it both ways and i think uh it ends up being um a major flaw that holds it back. I think the the play of the game is incredibly enjoyable. Um I we, we wax lyrical about the the parkour and and some of the combat as well. Um but the fact that the story just doesn't seem to know what it's doing um, both tonally and just in terms of where it wants to take its characters, where it wants to take the theming and the the whatever kind of thesis statement it wants to make, mm. um, it ends up being a big anchor around the ankles of this experience, and it, and it drags it down significantly. I'm really excited for the sequel um, because the idea of Chris Avalone writing the plot for a game like this is is just wow you've you've got me right that's this that sounds like the version of this experience that i'm really after but as it is um i think it's a a really enjoyable game um held back by some some conflicting motivations in terms of where to take it uh plot wise and just some really badly fleshed out writing
0: Hmm. thanks josh yeah i did go along with most of that my overriding experience was a positive moment to moment atmospheric Uh, i should always associate it with the uh the onset of uh the, the bizarre situation that we found ourselves in in 2020 of the uh, the coronavirus and COVID 19 and the quarantine and the lockdown and all that stuff um i'm not sure whether it enhanced or or detracted from it or in, indeed made much difference at all but there'll always be that strong association and despite some of the the tonal silliness and and misgivings i have around the writing and stuff the overall sense of place and being there uh the excitement and occasional moments of actual you know glee and joy of uh, being in this world and interacting with its systems and its enemies and all that stuff uh, it was it was tangible but yeah overall i think the things that josh mentions those shortcomings are what would stop this from existing in my mind in the you know the epic shelf pocket the essential all-timer kind of space but that said yeah this is a game that you can probably pick up pretty cheaply now uh, I would say, and um even though we know it's uh, it's sold very healthily, I think there's probably a lot of people that haven't engaged with this game for whatever reason, and there's probably a a fine time to be had for them, so uh yeah, and the following the d l c is um yeah, it's pretty outstanding addition as well, and um with the by factoring in the vehicle stuff, which is just not there at all in in the uh in the Haran based stuff, kind of makes it feel quite different as well um that sort of atmosphere of driving from place to place you have to manage your fuel and the um the mechanics of the car and you can upgrade it and stuff like this uh kind of really refreshed things just as i was i felt like i was you know starting to um just get a little bit bored of having played the same game for uh 35 hours but uh, another 10 were happily spent in the dlc so yeah recommended um for the price it goes for and not without caveats brian
2: yeah i i'm gonna echo a lot of what you and josh said so i'll keep it as brief as possible but um i think there's just such a disconnect here between the way that i feel about the story and the way i feel about the game as a whole um like i i do find elements of the story and the way that, that some of the content is presented a like, borderline offensive i'm not mm-hmm. um I, I i don't think that it treats kind of uh the area that it takes place in with respect i think it it offers a very westernized viewpoint on things i think it also on top of that uh just like like tries to cash emotional checks that it doesn't deserve and uh, and i think that all in all the story is is kind of as a whole kind of a failure but the game itself as a gameplay uh, the gameplay of of playing dying light is is so successful in so many areas that i i can't help but recommend it as a game to play like if you like video games and you like zombie genre games i mean this should be a no brainer for you to just to just check out it's um it's 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 endlessly fun to play encounters feel different every single time just because of the way the systems of the game allow you to kind of tackle different situations um it's I really think that the story missions themselves are really well designed and it's fun in these kind of uh, in these kind of unique environments to to you know be able to use some of these weapons and things you've crafted to take out enemies in in different ways and um, some of the bigger type enemies are really fun to fight Uh, like one we didn't mention is kind of the big um, firefighter like guy who you run to every once in a while just as a like a He's like an eight foot tall zombie for some reason that, you know, he's always seems to be blocking your path to an area you need to go to. It's, those guys are a lot of fun to fight and engaging with those world with the world is really a great time. So it's, it's a full recommend for me as to play it. But I just it, it's one of those things where I, it's almost one of those. I wish instead of just a toggle for turning subtitles on and off, I wish they had a toggle for turning dialogue on and off, because I think that some of that stuff is is so distracting from the the totality of it that it can really mar the experience. That being said, it's completely worth playing, and I am very excited to see what uh, direction they go with with the sequel.
0: Mm, when it finally arrives. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. And let's finish up with Jacob.
0: I find
1: Dying Light to be a consistently surprising game, and the re- the reason that I find it surprising is because I remember it being you know a a fairly mediocre story and forgettable characters and whatnot and what i don't remember is just how good it feels to play all of the time like every time i go back to this game you know i mentioned uh even if i'm just going back to like i guess i'll just play a couple hours to remind myself i end up sticking with it through almost the entire thing because it just feels good and and usually i am someone with games who is really into you know diving into the deeper meaning and taking apart the the story mechanics and analyzing the symbolism and whatever and on this i feel like don't don't turn your brain off because you'll need it to to jump over zombie heads but like turn (laughs) turn the critical analysis part off for just a little bit and really just have fun with what I think is an expertly crafted difficulty and power level curve. Um, and and just yeah, just chop some zombies up. It's a dumb good time that I really really enjoy.
0: If you like video games and you like zombies, this is one of those video games that has zombies in it I think that's <laughs> what we've we've basically said between us there <laughs> so it remains for me leon to thank brian jacob and josh as well as our correspondents and to you for listening and to tell you that next time in issue 413 a simple game about a regular couple florence <laughs>